So being busy is much different than being hurried. Ever thought about that? I mean, I used to think they were the same. I used to think that you couldn't have one without the other. You know, I have to be hurried because I'm so busy. I have to be in a hurry. And because I'm so busy, I mean, obviously, I've got to be hurried. It's the only way to get things done in this world. It's the only way to be on time in this world is I've got to be in a hurry. Uh, now, in our culture, there's something interesting that as I, I observe just culture. Our, our culture makes busy, make, makes busy equal to success. It almost like elevates your busyness. Like, like you have to be busy in order to be successful. Um, that, that we say we have, like we almost like we have to say we're busy in order to feel important in life. Like when, when people ask you, say, how are you doing? And we, we qualify, well, I'm, I'm good. I'm busy, but good. It's like almost our value is... Is, is, is in on how busy we are. Is, now, maybe this is just me, but, um, but, but this is our, like our go-to response to do this. We, we have to feel busy. Sometimes we have to feel busy because being busy helps us feel like we're in control. And those of you on the opposite side are like that. No, like when I'm busy, I feel like I'm out of control. <laughs> but in our world, busy is like the, the name of the game. And it's like we have to qualify our value by quantifying our schedule. In our world, I mean, you get this. For those of you that have kids in maybe a club or a sport, I mean, you really get this. It's busy. Busy is like your calling card. It's what what identifies you. Everybody knows you're busy. But being busy is much different than being hurried. See, busy doesn't have to be bad. In fact, being busy alone isn't bad. Having a full schedule is not bad. It's being hurried and being in a hurry. That's what is bad. Pastor and author John Ortberg helped me understand this. In his book, Soul Keeping, I read this book in preparation for the sabbatical that the church so so graciously and generously gifted me in 2021. And I read this book just to prepare myself for this season. And in it, he writes this. Being busy is an outward condition, a condition of the body. It occurs when we have many things to do. Being hurried is an inner condition, a condition of the soul. It means, listen to this, it means to be so preoccupied with myself and my life that I am unable to be fully present with God, with myself, and with other people. Maybe you need to just stop and reflect on that for a moment. See, in your busyness, I want to ask you, are you hurried? In your full schedule, are you pushing God out? See, being busy is inevitable in our culture, in our pace of life that we almost have to accommodate to in order to survive. But being avoidable is avoid, being, being hurried is avoidable. See, being busy is inevitable, but being hurried is avo- avoidable. You and I can be busy and not be hurried. There is hope for us. There's hope for you. There's hope for me in this busy, fast-paced world and in our full schedules. And Jesus has something that he wants to share with us because he has something he wants to show us to help us not be hurried. And more on that in a moment. For those of you that are new with us, I just want to extend my welcome to you. I am so grateful that in your busy weekend, you've taken time 
to let us share this moment with you. And Westside, for uh, everyone online, we are so grateful for having you as well. And before I do this, I just want to remind you of what Joe said earlier. We have a gift for you. Uh, So please make your way to the Welcome Center across the lobby. And we would love to give you a gift uh, in there. Just take take a couple minutes of your time right after service to head directly there. For those online, we have a gift for you as well. If you'll fill out that online uh, that uh, Connect card they're posting there, we'd love to send you a gift for being with us today. Hey, Westside. Will you let everyone that's watching online and everyone that's new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to share this time with them. Will you do that? Yeah. So we begin this new series today about hurry. More specifically, to be more clear, we're going to work on eliminating hurry from our life. And I, you're going to understand why. See, thus the name of the series, we're talking about wasting the haste. We're going to talk about waste the haste. I want you to learn to waste the haste. And we want to help you recognize in the series that you can have many activities to do in your day. You can have a full schedule. You can have a physically demanding schedule and be tired at the end of the day. And you can be tired from all you do and you can still be okay. You can have, you can have all the things that you have to do. You can get them all done or even not get them done. And you can be okay. However, being hurried, we want to help you recognize the difference between busy and hurried. Because being hurried or always in this state of haste is, is what will hurt you. That's what will hurt you. And it will hurt others that are close to you. See, hurried means that you are preoccupied and, and not present in what you are doing now or who you are with now. So you're not present with God. When you're hurried, you're not going to be present with God. You're not going to be aware that he's with you. And and you're not going to be present with yourself, understanding and aware what's going on in your heart, your emotions, your mind, even your soul. You're not even able to be present with yourself. And you're not, not even going to be able to be present with others. Receiving the gift that others' presence has to you and being a gift to others and the present to them in, in being with them. So how do we know the difference and how do we know when busy turns in or transforms in or transitions in to hurry? Or as we're calling it for the rhyming sake, haste. How do we know when busy turns into haste? Well, this is what I hope you learn. See, our busyness turns into hurry when it eliminates God from our lives. Because of the context of where we are as Christ followers, I want us to put this in the context of following Jesus. A hurry, it biz, it, tra- busyness transforms into hurry. This transition happens when you and I, in our state of busyness, in our state of full schedules, we become unaware that God is with us and we're with God. We become unaware or we even forget that God is present with us. Or we ignore that God is present with us. That is the moment when God is eliminated from our lives. And it's at that moment when this happens, when we eliminate God from our lives, ignoring him, forgetting him, or not recognizing him, or just in our busyness, we forget all about God being there. When this happens, our souls begin to die because without God, you and I cannot have life because God is life. And, and to have, not have God in our life is to be separated from life. And it's in this hurried state, in this haste, Our hurried souls become preoccupied with something else. And in that preoccupation with something else, our souls begin to diminish and die. Being hurried will cause you to be unavailable. See, being hurried will cause you you to be unavailable to God, 
You're going to be unavailable to yourself, and you're going to be unavailable to those who are closest to you and who need you most and who you love the most. See, hurry, in the end, will spiritually drain your soul. So here's the irony. See, souls that are restless are drawn to being hurried. Souls that are unsettled, who are unfulfilled, the, the, the souls who, who, those souls will do more things, thinking that, that, that doing more or adding more to their schedule or will bring rest to their restless souls and fill this empty void inside. By achieving more, by doing more, or accomplishing more, they, we, empty, restless souls think that they can fill the vacuum within their souls. See, restless souls can be preoccupied with the next best thing. They're preoccupied with just the next thing, maybe. I gotta have this, we gotta get what's next. We gotta look for what's next. And trust me, I get this. Sunday comes every week. I mean, I understand this world. And a hurried person and a restless soul cannot enjoy the moment and they are not they they can't enjoy the moment they are in and they can't enjoy exactly what they experienced see a hurried person then becomes a burdened and worn out soul a hurried soul cannot find rest it is restless and i'm not just talking about physical rest i'm talking about a soul rest see i can be physically tired but not hurried I can be physically worn out, but not weary inside. I can work hard and not be hurried because my mind is preoccupied. And it's not preoccupied with everything else. See, the restlessness in my soul takes its toll. That's what happens. The restlessness in your soul takes its toll over time. And it begins hurting our souls. And a hurried person, I'll tell you this, a hurried person is a hurting person because hurry hurts our souls. It makes our souls restless and hurt people hurt people. That's why hurry causes pain. Hurry causes so much pain. Much of the pain that we cause or experience in life materializes because we or others are in a hurry. I mean, think about the things that you've said or you've done because you were rushed or in a hurry, where you were preoccupied with something else, and, and when you were in this hurry, the things that you say or do because you're in this, you want it faster, you want it sooner, you, are the things that you and I often regret saying and we often regret doing. You know, I bet, I bet we would have fewer fights. We would have fewer uh, arguments in our marriages that that would lead to divorce. I believe we would have fewer uh, casualties. I believe we would have little less road rage. I believe we would have fewer deaths in the world and fewer tragedies in the world if we would just eliminate hurry from our lives. If we could just break free from this hurried, unsettled, restless soul. See, most of the sins that we commit against God by committing against others would be eliminated if we could eliminate hurry. If we could just waste the haste. Most of our sins happen because we are in a hurry. See, what hurries you is often what hinders you and hurts those closest to you. It was because you were hurried that you did what you did and you hurt your spouse. 
is because you're in a hurry and maybe this morning you said what you said in the haste of getting just somewhere that you wanted to be more quickly and sooner. You said something and what you said hurt your kids. You were hurried to do something, accomplish something, to, to, to achieve something, to maybe receive something or even to go somewhere. And what you said or what you did, you regret. And it wasn't because of what was next. It was because you were in a hurry to get to what was next. And what you said or did damaged the relationship that you had and It was a relationship likely with someone that was close to you. It was because maybe you were hurried and in the state of hurry to to make that money that you dishonored God and did something that hurt your colleagues at work or even destroyed an opportunity for your family later on. See, we need to break free from hurry in our life. We need to waste the haste. And so we're going to learn to do that. We're going to learn to waste the haste. And, and this is something we need to learn to do because we don't naturally do this. It's hard to, to do this. And we need to learn how to do this. Most of us don't know how to do it. In fact, I didn't know how to do it. And, and, and this is something I, I, I should know. We need to learn how to do this. And it's not going to be easy. I'll let you know it's going to be difficult. It's going to mean that you're going to have to reorder your life. You're going to have to prioritize your life. You're going to have to add a couple things in your life that you're not going to like, but it's going to put God back into your life. And you're going to discover what happens when you put God back in. So what are we going to do? We're going to turn to Jesus and we're going to learn to waste the haste. And this is the series big idea that we're going to look at for the next several weeks. Here is how we're going to waste the haste. We're going to learn Jesus' unforced rhythm of life. We're going to take this journey together and we're going to challenge one another to learn Jesus' unforced rhythms of life. See, the result of learning Jesus' rhythms of life will give you and I what we so desperately seek. We will experience the joy and we will experience the peace that our souls so desperately crave. See, this is what you're missing amidst your busy schedule. You have displaced your peace. You have displaced the joy in your life with a hurried, preoccupied way of life. And in so doing, you've expelled God. And when you expel God, you don't have peace. You don't have joy in your life. We will experience the joy and peace that our souls so desperately crave in our busy schedules. And isn't that what we so desperately want? Isn't that what you crave in this peace and joy? See, isn't that what rest looks like? Isn't that the, the, the result of being at rest and not having a restless soul is being at peace and having joy? Now think about this. See, joy and peace are not visible in a hurried life. Think about those people that, in your, like your life, that are hurried going from one thing to, to another. They don't have peace. They don't have joy. And you don't have peace or joy in your hurried state. See, joy and peace are absent in the lives of those who are in a hurry because hurry will rob you and destroy the joy and peace in our lives. The absence of joy and peace are the evidence of a hurried and restless soul. So we need to learn from Jesus. And so we're going to learn from him by turning to Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. So as we look at this passage today, um, I hope that you discover his rhythms of life and where those rhythms of life lead. And we can trust this because we learned last week he came back to life. And when he came back to life, we can trust everything that Jesus says is true. It doesn't mean we, now what we're going to talk about today doesn't mean we're not going to be busy Jesus was busy. In fact, he was more busy than many of us here today. He had a busy schedule. Early in the morning, late at night. I mean, he did not stop. 
but he had a way of life and his rhythms of life and in all of that he would never be in a hurry jesus was amazing at this and we're going to learn from him he jesus was in a busy season of ministry and teaching and he just had a difficult conversation in this passage uh, after meeting with the city's lawyers, the, the, the Jewish people's loyal, loyal, lawyers in that council. And that difficult meeting would have drained anyone in that time. And any of us would have been drained. And in this, after this time, Jesus pauses and he does this. And this is what he says. At the time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father. He just turns and just puts the focus on the Father. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus, ending his prayer to God the Father, extends an invitation here. He looks at those who are in the crowd And this is what he says, come to me all, you who are weary and burdened, come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Do you feel like that's you today? I mean, we know Jesus is talking to a group of Israelites that we don't know in a culture that we, we know their rhythms of life and their busyness of life and their things that they were preoccupied about and worried about were much different than ours. And we, we don't really know what their culture was like. But he was talking to them in this culture. But do you feel like that's to you? Maybe you feel like Jesus is giving you this invitation. Come. All you who are weary. Are you weary? Because Jesus is giving an invitation to you. Are you burdened today? Jesus is giving an invitation to you. Do you feel like there's so much of a demand on you that you are about to break under the pressure of it all? And the load is, you feel like it's so burdensome and so weighty. And, and it's not like you look at your schedule and go, I don't understand why I get this. I just feel so burdened and restless and weary and I'm tired. And I need something. That being a mom is so difficult. And, and especially with the demands that and all these roles I have to play, it's hard. Being the main provider of my home is so demanding. I have to do one thing after another. Being a single parent in today's world and culture can drain you and physically demand something of you that's hard. Being a sing, single parent is so difficult in today's age. And I'm weary. And I'm tired and I'm burdened. That being a dad... To being a dad with all of these hats to wear, it can be exhausting and I, and I don't want to fail anyone. And at the end of it, it just feels like a weight and a burden and a pressure. And I don't know if I can carry it alone anymore. I just don't know if I can carry it in, anymore. Being a high schooler or, or, or a college student or being a young adult in today's world with all of these choices on all these pressures and people are demanding so much on me. It's like a load that I can't carry and I don't know what to do with it. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burdened? Jesus looks at you and says, Come, all of you. Come, all you who are weary and burdened. And he says, Not just some of you, but all of you. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
and learn from me. Not learn from the culture of your friends. Don't learn from the decisions they make because they, man, joy and peace are not in their lives. Why are you learning from them? Learn, learn from me. Don't learn from the Wall Street Journal. Learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and lowly. Some of you just need a pause right there. Because you think living and following Jesus is the hardest, most demanding thing. Oh yeah, it demands a lot. But you know what happens when you follow Jesus? It doesn't bring you what happens when you live your life the way you want to live your life. Because he promises something so different. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that what you need today? Is that hope for you? See, we don't need to learn only from Jesus' teachings. You know what he's asking us to do? He's asking us, he's telling us, you need to learn from my way of life, not just what I teach. Because intellect and, and knowing what Jesus teaches is not as important, it's just as important as knowing how Jesus lived and following how he lived his life. That is why we have the Gospels. All four of these Gospels don't just tell you what Jesus did, the miracles he performed, and, and all these amazing teachings that Jesus did that they're amazing to know and memorize and learn. But he's, the Gospels are there to show you a rhythm of life, a way that Jesus lived his life. See, those who come to Jesus and learn from him, Jesus would say would find rest. For their souls. And this is the answer for our hurried and restless, weary and burdened life. Let's learn from him. And in this passage, we see several things. First, we see this. Jesus stops and prays to God the Father and recognizes God's will. In verse 25 through 27, we, we see this. Jesus just stops and prays. He praises God, acknowledges God as the Lord of heaven and earth, that God is in control. He's over all things. Lord means that he is the one that's in control. I submit to you in that. See, God is Lord and he is supreme and Jesus recognizes this. And then Jesus recognizes that God's wisdom is to reveal his secrets to children. And then Jesus says, this is what God was pleased to do. He knew the will of God. He understood. He, he walked in this understanding of God's will. Let me ask you, how often in your day do you just pause and stop and pray to God the Father to recognize his will? How often do you pause and praise just to ask God, God, I need you to know your will today. God, will you reveal your will to me? How often do you do this? Do you even know what his will is? If not, how do you ask for it? Do you pause? See, a, hor a hurried, restless soul is unaware of God's will. Or a hurried and restless soul is ignoring God's will for our lives. You may not even realize this, but you may have pushed God out of your life because you don't care about God's will for your life. And that's why you're so restless. That's why you're so burdened. That's why you're so weary. So just stopping to pray and acknowledge God and asking his will can help a wearied, hurried soul.
Next, we see that Jesus acknowledges that God the Father reveals his truth to those who are humble and dependent upon him. This is what he does. He, he, God the Father reveals his truth to those who are humble and dependent upon him. Jesus says that God the Father has revealed these kingdom truths to the little children. God, you kept it from the wise and learned and you revealed it to little children. The little children were the most dependent. It's a recognition of the most dependent in that culture. And when Jesus says little children, it's more likely that we get a picture of babies or infants. Not like my eight-year-old child now, who's now eight-year-old. He used to be a baby and infant, but now he can make a sandwich on his own and thank God for that moment. (laughs) Amen, right? You know, when Jesus would say children, he's not talking about, you know, my eight-year-old son. He's talking about babies and infants. They're so dependent. See, that's the picture Jesus is is giving. He's revealed it to those who are dependent upon him, just like a baby is dependent upon a parent. See, you and I need to become dependent upon God. We need to live in a state of dependence. And this is counter our culture. See, our culture, the wise and learned in our culture, tell you and I to do something different. We need to become self-sufficient and independent we need to be it's it's leading us to become so individualistic and independent that we don't need each other and need god it's pushing god out of our lives see self-sufficiency leads to hurry self-dependency is what causes haste but dependency on jesus leads to rest for our souls being dependent upon him. And when we, like children, are dependent upon God and we become humble, knowing that we are not self-sufficient and we are solely dependent upon God and we live in recognition of this, we don't then live self-centered anymore, self-dependent. We then become less in a hurry. And when we are less hurried, bringing God into our lives, we find rest. See, Jesus is giving us an invitation. This is the invitation for all. See, Jesus invites all who are weary and burdened to receive his rest for their souls. To receive rest, one must humble themselves before God like a child, saying, I need you. How often in your day do you do that? Because in our hurried pace, our hurriedness is an revelation that we don't need God. We need us. See, rest is not release also from responsibility. We also need to recognize rest is not released from obligation. Rest that God is inviting in, us into is, is, is not a, 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 a permission to not work too. We need to just state this. Because it's not to just avoid our responsibility or to not work hard. You know, the Apostle Paul would say, work hard, do diligently. Work is under the Lord, not unto man. See, rest for our souls is much different than rest for our bodies. And we are to work hard, we're just not to work hard. And rest could equally be translated in this passage as relief. We can find relief for our souls. See, will you learn from the wise and learned of this culture or will you model your life after Jesus? Are you going to model your life after those who have no life or peace or joy? Or will you learn from Jesus, the one who gives rest for our souls? You know, Casey, I I, I respect that. But if I just had more time in my day, that would solve many of my problems. (laughs) 
You know, I get that, man. If I, there are times that I think, man, if I had just three more hours in my day, I, could, I wouldn't be so much in a hurry. See, we don't need more time. We need to embrace Jesus' way of life. God put a limit on each of us, and he put a limit on humanity, and we need to embrace the limit that God's put on all of our humanity. We talked about that in Becoming Emotionally Healthy, uh, that the series we did, and, and in that we talked about how spiritually mature people embrace their God-given limitations. In doing so, that's one of the ways that we can eliminate hurry in our life. And in verse 29 and verse 30 here, Jesus tells us to take his yoke upon him, upon us because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And a yoke in that day and age was an agricultural tool. We don't use yokes as commonly in our modern society with tractors and, and all the technology we have. But a yoke in that day and age was a, a, a beautiful tool to bind two animals together. They would put a pair, a, a yoke on a pair of oxen or a pair of working animals to get the job done. They worked hard, but they were bound together. And in this, the Jews also used this as a, the yoke as a metaphor. They would use it as a metaphor to refer to the teachings and the way of life of a rabbi. So disciples would take on the yoke of their rabbi, which would be not just to listen to the teachings and memorize and learn the teachings, but then follow the way of life of the rabbi as well. The way the rabbi would live, the way the rabbi, the rhythms of the rabbi's life, it would, they would learn that yoke, not just the teachings, but the way of life. So the yoke would bind two animals together. A yoke would tie the rabbi with the disciple. The yoke or the way of life that Jesus gives you and me is one that unites us together with him. And when you are united with Christ, taking on not just his teachings, but living his way of life. When you are united with him, Jesus says, that's when you find rest for your souls. And when you're united with Christ, learning from his teaching, living the way he leads, you will experience the life he promises. Think about what Jesus says in John 14. I am the way and the truth and the life. We must apprentice under Jesus. We must learn from Jesus. Take his yoke upon us. Take his way of life. Live in his rhythms of life, his way of life. And when you learn to live in the rhythms of life, that is when you'll know him and discover him as the truth. See, you're not going to discover truth until you adopt his way. You're not going to understand its truth until you take his teachings and begin to put those in rhythms in your life. And then you're going to realize this is the truth that he says, I do experience rest. Because at the end of his way... That leads to his truth is the life that we so desperately need. See, the way of Jesus and the truth of Jesus leads to the life that we so desperately crave. So take the yoke of his discipleship upon you and bind yourself, unifying yourself with Jesus. This is what being a disciple is all about. And so to help us learn the way of Jesus, we need a rule of life. We need a yoke in life. It's a way of life. And that's what a, a, a rule of life is. is it, it's like a yoke to bind us and keep us in constant union with Christ. And so we need a rule of life. And here's what that is. It's a rhythm of practices to remain in union with Christ. So I want to offer you today a waste the haste challenge. You ready for this? I would love for every one of us that calls Westside our home church, I would love for every Westside, every Christ follower, or those of you that are exploring, maybe following Jesus, I challenge you to do this with us. Take this waste the haste challenge. And here's what this challenge is all about. You ready? Breathe. Just breathe. 
I mean, after all, what do you tell a hurried person? I mean, they're in a right, what do you say? Hey, just take a moment, stop right there, breathe. We tell each other this, and I think God is telling us this, breathe. So I want you to do this with me, just breathe in with me, breathe out. This is not some Eastern mysticism that we're tapping into. Actually, this is a going to, you're going to see as a deep Hebrew tradition. Will you breathe in with me? And breathe out. Breathe it in good. Breathe out. You know, in the East, in the, the Hebrew tradition, this, the name for God is spelled Y-H-W-H. They removed the vowels to keep it sacred later in, in, in time. And, and it's pronounced yorhev We pronounce it in English, Yahweh. But it, it's been said in Hebrew tradition and culture that you can breathe the name of God. Yuvhev, Yahweh. Yuvhev, Yahweh. Or Yahweh. That every time you breathe, it's a reminder that God is ever present with you. Every time you breathe, you are ever present with God. Breathe God in and exhale God out. Breathe God into the rhythms of your life and remain in union with Christ as you exhale him out in the rhythms of the life that you live. See, what we receive is how influences how we live. And we're going to receive from God and be present with him, receiving from him in every moment of God. And then we're going to exhale him. We're going to breathe God out of our lives as we breathe them in. We're going to breathe God into our rhythms and and remain in union, remain yoked to him. And that's what a rule of life does. It's a way to keep God in the rhythm of our life. And this deep Hebrew tradition helps us do this. And so um, I'm going to give you three rhythms as a rule of life, that are baselines. I mean, these are baselines. This is like the starting point that to, to keep God into your rhythm of life, to keep in union with him. And here's the first one is this. Read and pray scripture daily. Now, this is not read and pray daily, okay? This is read scripture daily and pray scripture daily. Because as you read scripture, you're gonna breathe God in. You're gonna breathe in his truth, his way of life. You're gonna, you're gonna learn from him. And as you... Do what it says, and this is how you're going to get there. You're going to breathe it out in prayer. Breathe it out in prayer to God. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Father, I thank you that you are compassionate and gracious today, slow to anger. Begin to pray it out. You and I often too much fill our prayers with what we want instead of God's will. So we're going to breathe God in. Start your morning with this. I encourage you to, to start your day with this. Be the first thing, well, maybe the second thing after you make your coffee. Just get real, okay? Um, so breathe him in. And, and maybe you need to do this a couple times a day. Maybe you need to put a reminder in your phone like 2 p.m. or you know you, whenever that break is. Put a reminder daily to pause, reflect on the scripture that you read, and pray it back out. Be in union with Christ. Take this yoke and way of life on you and be in union with him. Walter Adams, the spiritual director to C.S. Lewis, he, he said this, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow and hurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. So a couple of times a day, read scripture, pause, read scripture, and pray that scripture out. Pray it back to God. Inhale, exhale. In your talk it over there, six scriptures 
that, that have been provided to help you read that in. And they're great scriptures to lead you that you can naturally just pray out. And the next rhythm is a weekly rhythm. So we got a daily rhythm. We can do it a couple times a day. And this is a weekly rhythm. And this is Sabbath with the body of Christ. I mean, don't these sound so elementary? But can I tell you something? It's when we begin to push these out of our lives. That's when things begin to unravel and we become more hurried in our life. See, breathe. When we gather with the body of Christ, think about this. You want to be in union with Christ? Then gather with the body of Christ. You want to be with Christ? Then gather with the body of Christ. Because when you gather with the body of Christ and you make this a weekly rhythm, you are, you are defining your week and you are breathing in the power of God that is available in the presence of the body of Christ. And now we, as the body, we are present with others and we not only breathe it in, but we can exhale it out using our gifts, praying with one another, serving one another in love. See, we can breathe in God's power by being around each other and in following Jesus together. And we can exhale the power of God by serving one another and praying with one another. This is a weekly rhythm Jesus would do with the people that would become his church. This is why we pray together so regularly. That's why we're going to do that in a moment as a family. And the last thing is this. Have a meaningful face-to-face conversation with a friend or group of friends weekly. Now, I'm not talking a text group, a group text or a, just a, a long conversation on a, on a text thread. I'm talking about a face-to-face, not a screen time face-to-face, an in-person, face-to-face conversation with a friend or group of friends weekly. I encourage you to make this a, a group of friends who are Christ followers. Because in that, that's where we love Jesus, become like Jesus, and share Jesus together. And it's, but I'm not excluding the opportunity for you to have a meaningful conversation with maybe a neighbor or a friend who's far from God. Because it's in that opportunity with a neighbor or a friend that's far from God that you can have this meaningful conversation and you can share Jesus. See, it's in these moments that we are one-to-one with each other and we are in these moments that we are able to love one another. And we need that. That we can receive love and we can give love. We can receive being accepted. We can receive being challenged in our life. We can receive being encouraged in our life. And we can then also not just breathe that in, but we can exhale that out. We can accept the other person. We can challenge the other person. And we can encourage the other person to follow Jesus. We breathe it in and we exhale it out. We're going to eliminate hurry by learning from Jesus. Jesus did this so often. See, here's the thing about hurry. Hurry and love do not cooperate. When you're hurried, you can't receive God's love. When you're hurried, you can't receive the love from others. And when you're hurried, you can't love God back. And when you're hurried, you can't love others the way God in Christ has loved you. So we need to eliminate hurry. We need to waste the haste. And so I encourage you to trust Jesus' way of life. And you can trust in Jesus' way of life because he is gentle and lowly. Jesus reveals who God is and here Jesus says, come to me, I am gentle and lowly. This is his way of life. It's not a demand. It's actually something that will bring you rest for your souls. I'm not asking you to add something to your schedule to be a burden because Jesus who resurrected back to life said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes, take my way upon you. Take my learning upon you. Take this yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. So the question is, will you trust 
in Jesus. In your busy night life, you do not have to have a hurried soul. Will you take Jesus' invitation to learn from him? Or will you live your life ignoring him? And the weight of this world will come crushing down. He says, learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls. See, I cannot experience, you cannot experience the life of the kingdom with a hurried soul. I love what Eugene Peterson says in his message translation of this passage. Jesus' invitation is to walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So let's waste the haste. Let's learn Jesus' unforced rhythms of life that lead to the peace and joy that we so desperately need. And this is what we're going to do together. We're going to breathe in together and exhale together as a corporate body in this metaphor. And we're going to receive prayer from one another and pray for one another. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And we do this as a, a church family. And so they're, they're, uh, find someone, just one or two people around. Westside is, look, we don't want anybody alone. Now, if you don't want prayer today, just say, please not today. And we'll respect that. Online, we want you to do the same. This is what I want you to pray. Father, help my friend rest in you. Will you just pray for one another? Will you do that right now? And maybe encourage one, hey, ask them, when are you going to spend some time with Jesus? Just challenge them. What, what, do you need to put a, an invite or a, a reminder on your phone to do that now? Will you just make that and turn to one another and begin to pray? As, and then we're going to worship together as we close out today's service. Go ahead. Father, help my friend find rest in you.